Welcome to another episode of Teaching and Learning Champions. I'm Matt Evans, Director of Instructional Technology and Digital Resources in the Teaching and Learning Excellence Division at ACC. Today I'm joined by Dr. Susan Thomason, Associate Vice President of Instructional Services, as we talk about the instructional implementation of guided pathways and the alignment of pathways with program maps. Dr. Thomason, thank you for joining me today. Thank you for having me. So let's uh, go ahead and get started. What is the Teaching and Learning Excellence Division's role in supporting faculty, department chairs, and deans in developing guided pathways? Well, um, our area, prior to becoming a division, um, actually initiated a lot of the work um, with the program mapping sessions. Um, we had met with Davis Jenkins, who's one of the uh, authors of the book, um, that sort of started the movement of guided pathways. Um, and um, we were planning to start a lot of the work in the spring um, semester of that year. And um, he said, you need to start this work as soon as possible because we, you need to have a sort of a broad engagement across all of the department chairs and student affairs representatives who deal with this work. So we discussed which of the areas of study we were going to be focusing on. Um, two of the ones that seemed to be already in the, in the premise of what Guided Pathways uh, was doing were health sciences and business. So um, in the fall of 2015, we hosted the first um, sessions um, or conversations with the deans of those areas, as well as the department chairs of those areas to discuss the approach that we would take. The following January, we began um, on a monthly basis hosting um, all of the 10 areas of study in a comprehensive work sessions that included not only all the department chairs, the deans, and the assigned advisors and counselors who were tied to those areas, but we also included continuing education, we included adult basic education, articulation and transfer, um, a lot of the de developmental faculty, what we found was interesting is that it was the first time that um, all of those entities has, had been in a room together to have this kind of conversation about the curriculum of those programs. So we led in that particular way. We um, had also been part of the program mapping, um, I'm sorry, the Futures Institute, where we got to see some of what the other schools were doing with program mapping. And we borrowed the example from um, City Colleges of Chicago. They had a really uh, well-formatted uh, program map design. So we took their design and tweaked it slightly for ACC. And as we hosted the mapping sessions, we also worked with departments to start populating those maps um, in that initial phase. What was interesting is that the initial phase um, was all done manually, so these were Word templates that turned into PDFs, which were very time consuming, uh, to say the least. The other thing that we did was we started restructuring the division to better support these um, different kinds of um, things that related to pathways. So we restructured our curriculum services office. It became the curriculum development office. And we assigned a person to be the process holder for program maps, who's now also a process holder for the catalog, and that's Georgia Branch. And um, she's now in a new position in that area. 
Um, the other thing we've been doing, the um, scheduling work, we um, purchased a new scheduling system called Ad Astra that not only includes the pieces that relate to room scheduling, but there's also an analytics, com analytics component that we have purchased. And the idea there is, um, in terms of guided pathways, for us to have better scheduling um, for st to meet student needs so that students don't have to travel between campuses so that we can block schedule or group courses um, that are related and students can get those courses um, not only scheduled in a more efficient way and effective way but can actually get through their programs more quickly. So the guided pathways work relates to um, sort of the scheduling piece as well. Um, in addition, um, TLED also houses the Articulation and University Relations Unit, which has been doing a lot of work. We started hosting university summits where faculty speak to directly to faculty from our transfer partner institutions to talk about alignment, curricular alignment. So how do our program maps feed into their program maps? Um, so there was a lot of work done sort of at the infancy of this, um, this movement or this, the idea of developing a, a framework for guided pathways. More recently, we've been involved in sort of a phase two effort um, where we identified that there were still a lot of a disconnect with, a lot of disconnect with faculty who weren't clear on their role and what was going on in the classroom teaching and learning in relations to pathway. So um, we have redirected some efforts and led some efforts and designed um, a series of events going on this particular year, um, uh, starting off with General Assembly, um, completely focused on the premise or the elements that relate to guided pathways like partnerships, high impact practices, et cetera. And then we will be hosting um, a variety of guided pathways updates um, that are open to faculty and staff, but also area of study sessions that are specifically for the department chairs and the student services advisors and counselors and others who are part of those areas of study to talk about pathways related planning and forms. So, um, you know, I could probably go on and on about a lot of other things we've done. We've done a lot of work with the faculty development side of the house, um, basically restructuring the unit as well as expanding the programs to include uh, many more offerings as well as uh, opening up to many more faculty. All of that relates to if you consider the principles of um, guided pathways, um, one of them is uh, effective teaching practice. So we've been um, part of that. Our calendar this year, those faculty who have received that can see that it's all based on the American Association of Community Colleges um, uh, effective practices or essential practices. And what we found interesting was also that where there was a little bit of a lack of clarity with the faculty role, as we look at those principles, every single one of those start with instructional faculty as leading the work um, from program maps to transfer to K-12 links to accelerated, accelerated remediation to all of that relates to faculty and certainly quite a bit of it also relates to the advising element and how advisors um, would work hand-in-hand -hand with faculty and counselors and other support staff would work hand-in-hand -hand with faculty to make sure students um, progress and succeed. So Great. Well, it's also worth mentioning, you mentioned that the, uh, the calendar for this year is on the theme of guided pathways uh, and how it impacts um, 
all aspects of the college. Um, so it's also worth noting that the theme for this year's uh, Teaching and Learning Champions podcast is also around um, other um, uh, you know, interviews with faculty and staff on the impact of Guided Pathways, um, specifically on instruction. So that kind of segues into the next question. What does the, the adoption of Guided Pathways for the college mean for faculty members in their day-to-day -day instruction? So the, um, the efforts that we have implemented with um, a new onboarding program um, uh, for faculty, both adjunct and full-time, as well as the development of our Teaching and Learning Academy, which is a year-long program that is um, a culmination of all of the, the work and a lot of the different elements that we have provided to faculty over the years. So it includes elements from the Great Teaching Retreat, Project ACC, Active and Collaborative Learning. It includes a hybrid model designed based on quality matter standards. So it's sort of the, the you know, best of all worlds uh, packaged into one. Um, in all those programs, as well as other workshops and other, other outreach that we've done with instructional design and course redesign, um, the focus is really to to leverage and to help faculty members use high-impact practices in the classroom um, from, from active and collaborative learning models to um, implementing or employing service learning in their courses, which we know is a high-impact practice, to including in their uh, programmatic design opportunities for experiential learning or cooperative education, um, any kind of uh, study abroad potentially. So those are things that that help some of the uh, programmatic or daily approaches. The other thing that's really important to consider is um, as we're looking at the defining areas of study and what careers mean in those industries, how do we align our curriculum to not only be equity-minded and equity-focused, um, which, is, which is we know is important, um, but also how do we contextualize the work in the classroom to the business and industry needs or concepts. So if we're talking about examples in a certain area of study, how do we bring those into sort of the working world? Which is why experiential learning becomes um, a critical piece, but you can still do that even in contextualizing courses. We know, for example, um, that um, some of the programs are, um, sociology I think is one of the departments that is contextualizing their courses to meet the needs of health sciences, for example, in some cases or the manufacturing areas in some cases. So um, those are some of the potential things that you would consider in day-to-day -day instruction. Other things we're trying to do is really try to provide support for the faculty um, with a lot of the, um, the uh, classroom management kinds of pieces so that they can then dedicate more time to maybe more of the um, active and collaborative learning elements that. Um, sometimes just require a little bit more time to, to prepare and focus on. Um, so uh, for the faculty listening, if, if they're, you know, they're hearing you talking about experiential learning and other high impact practices, if faculty members need help or have questions about um, how to incorporate high impact practices into their uh, specific course that they're teaching. Mm -hmm. uh, is there a specific group on campus or a spe specific team or place that they can go to mm -hmm. get resources? So there's a couple of, of things they can do. Uh, on a campus-based level, they can go to their instructional designer. Um, and, and we also have faculty um, instructional support specialists on the campus. 
who can provide some first-level support. Um, they could reach out to our faculty development office for what kinds of um, workshops or programs might be available, not just that they're delivering or that they may, they may be aware of other things that are being offered at conferences or just locally within the area. Um, and then um, they can certainly, if they're looking, for example, at experiential learning, they might want to reach out directly to the experiential learning office, which uh, covers internships, co-ops, service learning. And they're also familiar with other types of experiential learning, such as practicums, which I, I know are in health sciences that are managed there. But they would be able to provide context for all the different types of things, including even study abroad, even though that also is under a different office. So there are areas, um, um, you know, we're trying to get to the point, and, and in most cases, you can reach pretty much anybody in TLED, and we can direct you to the right space. That's what, that's um, the ultimate goal is that it doesn't, it doesn't sort of matter if you reach the right place. We will get you to the right place. But for the campus-based help, your first sort of line of support would be the instructional designers. Great. Uh, what happens uh, when TLED is supporting a department uh, in incorporating um, guided pathways um, and everything goes according to plan? What type of impact does that have on our students? So I think a lot of that really gets at the programmatic level or the uh, sort of the award level with the alignment. So in a perfect world, a student enters, is, it clearly identifies a program that is of interest, both personally as well as in terms of their um, long-term career goals, and they enter the appropriate pathway. So once you're in the appropriate pathway, you may go into a particular um, program of study but if you decide to change programs for some reason, if you move into a different one, you're not losing a lot of credits because there is alignment across all the programs in some way within an area of study. So that's an advantage and that would be a, a success in that case. As you move through the program, another element would be that you um, take the courses that you need, the courses are available, um, you are as we minimize the number of courses that you take um, that do not apply directly to your program or if you're transferring that they don't apply directly to your transfer institution. All of that means you are getting through the program as quickly as possible with the appropriate courses um, with the least expense and cost um, and then ultimately you know graduating um, with some experiential learning under your belt so that you can use that and, and bring that into a resume um, with um, um, employment opportunities already on the table for you when you get out. So that would be sort of the trajectory of, of everything being successful. Students spend 90% of their time, 90% of their academic career, if not more than that, with the faculty members in a classroom. So what goes on in those classrooms is really, really critical for their motivation to stay connected, to stay engaged. We, we um, participate in the um, um, Community College Survey of Student Engagement and have over many, many years. And the reason that that even is a, a survey that we participate in and that is a national survey is because we know from research that engagement is a critical part of helping students stay connected, persist, and complete. And so the more they can be engaged in the classroom, the more the engagement can be meaningful towards their um, career goals, towards their personal goals, the more they can connect with people, 
we know the more that they will uh, be able to complete and reach their goals. Great. Uh, so Guided Pathways is a relatively new concept for ACC, um, but program maps, however, have been around for quite some time. What's the relationship between the two of those? Interestingly, the very first essential practice is um, um, on the um, Pathways model of American Association of Community Colleges is the program maps. And um, the way they describe it is it's a process to simplify the choices for students with, they call them default maps, and I know there's been some contention um, uh, with the idea that, that we are prescribing courses versus letting students explore. Um, what we find is that there are students who potentially um, can explore because they have the um, ability and the financial resources and other resources available to do that. Other students who are um, coming in and, um, and sometimes struggle or, or, or stay, stay in the program longer than necessary are sometimes the ones who don't have those additional resources, which really means it's a disservice to the student who is trying to get and reach their goal. So the program maps and, and guided pathways in the program maps sort of in the, in the context that we're using them is really directly tied to the work of guided pathways. As you can see from the ones that we have available, again, we model those after um, mostly after City College of Chicago, but it was a way to group the courses within the um, different semesters. We include information about um, transfer opportunities right on the map. We include information about employment opportunities and what careers align with the program map. We have contact information. We have advising notes on there. We talk through the map of milestones that students will reach throughout the program. When we have uh, workforce programs, they also have potentially stackable credentials, which include certificates of various kinds. We're working with CE to try to embed all the CE programs into the maps as well, so that the student would see sort of the full menu of options that could lead from CE uh, programs into credit programs and how those can be a, a single um, resource for students as they map out their um, their um, advising sort of process. And so I don't, I don't really see those as separate things in the context of what we're trying to do um, with guided pathways, nor is that the way that they that describe. We used to have what we call curriculum maps in the past. The program maps are really more comprehensive tools for students within guided pathways. Great. Well, that's a lot of great information about uh, guided pathways in general. Uh, just one last question. It's sort of a, a fun question. I'll try to do at the end of these. Uh, what's giving you Riverbat pride this week? Well, I'm getting ready to go to the Boots and Bats party next month, which is a big fundraising event for the college. And I encourage everybody to also buy their tickets to attend the Boots and Bats. It was a really, really successful event. The funds from this go to student scholarships. So that gives me Riverbit pride this week. Excellent. Well, that wraps up another episode of Teaching and Learning Champions. Don't forget that you can view blog posts for each episode on the TLED website. I also encourage you to subscribe to the ACC District podcasts on any of your preferred podcast apps or listen to individual episodes on the TLED website. Thank you for tuning in, and we'll chat next time on TLC at ACC. Mm -hmm.